Hello. Okay. <laughs> Good morning, everyone. Um, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Amanda Scott. I am the coordinator of immigrant ministries at Rivercrest Free Methodist Church here in downtown Wichita. Um, I'm so glad to be here with you again today. It has been a while since I've been here. <laughs> I spoke with you guys several months back, and I'm so thankful to have the opportunity to be here with you again. And I'm thankful for, to Pastor Hink for allowing me and giving me the chance to speak with you today. Um, so would you go ahead and pray with me again? Lord God, thank you for this time that we can be together, that we can worship you, that we can praise you, that we can remember your goodness. Lord, I just ask that you would be with the words that I say today, that the words that come from me would be of you, that they would not be of myself. Lord, I just pray that even now you would start moving, that you would start touching our hearts, that you would start ministering to us in the ways that we need, Lord. In your name I pray. Amen. Who in here likes the book of Psalms? Personally, it's my favorite book. It's probably something that I read almost every single day before I go to bed. It's kind of my go-to. I think all of us probably have a go-to that we have in Scripture. For me, it's the Psalms. So that's why I chose to preach on a psalm today. I know that maybe it's not something that's typically preached on, um, not at length at anyway. Um, but today, we're going to do something a little bit different than normal, and so I'm going to need you to participate, okay? I need you to participate, I need you to engage, and I need you to bear with me here, okay? So we're going to do a few things. First, I'm going to talk and show a video that shows a little bit of the context of the book of Psalms. Because it's poetry, we have to understand it and read it in a certain way. So first, we're going to watch a video about this. Next, I'm going to tell you the context of the psalm we're going to read because it has a historical context. So I'm going to tell you just a little bit about that. It's kind of a funny story, a little bit. And then we're going to go through um, Psalm 34 together, but we're not just going to read it, and I'm not just going to preach to you. Okay, so I'm not just going to be up here talking, talking, talking. I'm going to ask you to engage with me. So... In the Psalms, we often see things like, and I prayed, and I praised, things like this. So that's what we're going to do. So when it says praise, we're going to praise. When it says pray, we're going to pray. And we're going to follow along through the scripture like that. Um, and the reason that I'm choosing to do that is because I believe the Lord wants us to experience him. Yes, we do have theology. Yes, we do have beliefs. Yes, we do have intellectual experiences with the Lord. But I also believe that the Lord wants to touch us in a particular way today. So, um, if you would, here, let me grab this clicker because I forgot it. And let's watch this, uh, to watch more of these type of videos. It's called The Bible Project, and they have videos about every single book of the Bible. So, today we are going to read through Psalm 34. And Psalm 34 is a psalm of thanksgiving. So if you have your Bible, whether electronic or whether a physical copy, uh, go ahead and get that out. We're going to look through Psalm 34. Psalm 34 is a psalm of thanksgiving. It's about David praising God for him having delivered him. But what did God deliver David from in this particular situation? I'm not going to actually read it to you, but the, the story is found in 1 Samuel 21. Essentially, as you guys know, David was chased by a guy named Saul for a very long time. And he was threatened by David and seeking after him, wanting to kill him, all of these things. So while David is fleeing from Saul, he ends up with the Philistines. Do you remember the Philistines? 
Who was a Philistine? A guy named Goliath. So at this point, David had already slayed Goliath. And so when he was in this Philistine territory, they recognized David. And so he was in danger because they're like, oh, we remember this guy. He killed Goliath. So what does David do? He starts pretending to be insane. So he's going around, scratching doors, acting nuts, and he's drooling like profusely all over himself. I can imagine that's probably pretty embarrassing and not something that he remembers too fondly in his life. Like, oh, remember the time that I uh, acted like that? And remember the time that I got myself in a situation where I could have been killed again? Um, So David is coming from a place of humiliation, of being embarrassed um, for what he's done. But David sees this as a way that God delivered him. Quite interesting. All right. Okay. All right, so let's begin. Psalm 34, verse 1. I will praise the Lord at all times. I will constantly speak his praises. I will boast only in the Lord. Let all who are helpless take heart. Who has ever felt helpless? There could be any number of reasons, any number of situations why someone has felt helpless. It's a place where you get to in life, for whatever reason, where you say, if the Lord does not intervene, I will not make it. I will not make it. My family will not make it. My finances won't make it. My health won't make it. My mind won't make it. My emotions will not make it if the Lord does not intervene. This is a place of helplessness. But then David says, Come, let us tell of the Lord's greatness. Let's exalt his name together. So what I want to do now, we're going to stop here. What I want to do now, I know people get a little shy when people get asked to share a testimony, so I'm going to go first. But what we're going to do is we're going to tell of the Lord's greatness. So I'm going to start. I'll share a little of my testimony, and then if I could even get at least one person or however many, however long it takes, whoever wants to share, let's tell of the Lord's greatness together. So one way that I have seen the Lord be great in my life was this year, you know how people have like a word that they kind of start their year with? For me, that word was rest. Okay, but I don't think the Lord meant like like physical rest, like rest in my soul. Because I, several years ago, was in a pretty unhealthy relationship. Frankly, it was like emotionally abusive. Um, And so that left me with a lot of wounds, a lot of scars, a lot of things that I thought I would never heal from. Honestly, I thought that. I was like, I don't know that I'm ever going to recover from this. But the Lord said that this was my year that he was going to start healing me. This was the year that he was going to start releasing me from all of these things. And I'm telling you, he has. Not because I was intentionally seeking that out, not because I was trying to heal. It was nothing that I did on my own. But I've seen how the Lord has healed me by giving me a healthy relationship with someone, by surrounding me with friends who can speak into the hurt that I've had in my life. Um, So the Lord has been great to me because I could not have done that and I never thought it would happen for me. But it has and it's still happening and God is still faithful to heal me. Um... Yeah, so there's a little bit of my testimony. Now, if anybody uh, feels led to, 
Would you share how the Lord has been great in your life? What is he doing in your life? What is he doing now? What has he done in the past? Vanessa? People outside can't hear me without the microphone. Also, the podcast can't hear without me. I am at this stage of my life where I watch um, people's children grow up and leave home. And um, I watch the dynamics of the families that sometimes crumble, sometimes stay together. And I am just really thankful that God is good to my family. He's kept us all close. And those aren't easy relationships to find. And I attribute a lot of it to this family. Mm -hmm. You guys support us and love us all the generations and keep us strong. So I'm very thankful for those things. Amen. Anybody else would like to share? Thank you for being brave. (laughs) I've got, I'll try to keep it short. No, you don't have to. Yeah, I do. A lot of you know the story. Um, very quickly before uh, when my dad was still mobile but wasn't getting around too good I got some tickets to see a famous comedian at the Orpheum and I got the nosebleed tickets of course which are right so you have to walk up these steep stairs well somewhere God gave me this thought it was the weirdest thing that we should have front row tickets I don't know why and I walked in and Long story short, I told my mom, I said, I'm just praying that God's going to provide these. And I walked in, and my dad and I stood there, and I talked to the guy who was selling tickets. He laughed at me when I said, and I asked him, I said, are, your, are the front row tickets that I've been praying for here? He laughed. He said, right. And I'd already purchased tickets. And so uh, we stood there, and then finally this lady comes up to me, an official looking lady, she goes, hey, may I help you? I said, I don't know, maybe my dad's birthday, and we've got these tickets, and I just am praying that uh, I'll be provided front row seats. And she got the funniest look on her face and handed me front row tickets to see the comedian. But the Lord, having a sense of humor, I didn't ask for particular seats. This being the middle row, this is the middle, and the comedian talked to my dad from the stage. So this is one of his favorites. So anyway, I just I always go back to that thinking, God can do that. How else has the Lord been good to you? How else has he been great in our lives? The list can go on and on. Yeah, go ahead. Very mean and pushy. I won't go into great detail, but I just want to say that our God is a God of second chances. Amen. Yeah, a hundred times, yeah. And when the world doesn't always see your worth, God does. Amen. He's He's blessed me despite my mistakes and and my shortcomings, and He continues to bless me and my family. And I praise Him for that today. Amen. Amen. This is awesome. Keep sharing. 
this is not a new story. Mm -hmm. It happened some time ago. I go. I'm sorry I'm short on Wednesday. I ran my own business for many years. My normal procedure was to get up and cook my breakfast, get in my truck, and drive to my first job. I got up, fixed breakfast, got in my truck, drove out of the driveway, returned thanks for the, for the food. Then I went into intercessory prayer. The next thing I remember, I was across town at the place of my first call. And my food was cold. And I had no idea how I got there. I was not the driver of the truck. Maybe it's a little corny, but it's true. Thank you. Yeah, amen. Amen. Would anyone else like to share? We have someone over here who wants to share. Um, a few years ago, Todd had open chest surgery. It went well, and God was with us the whole time. Amen. Amen. Look what it does for us when we share God's goodness. Sometimes we go through things and we feel like maybe God isn't so good after all. Maybe he's, he's good to other people, but I'm not seeing how he's good in my life. And when we share, when we remind each other, yes, the Lord is good, look what it does to our spirits. All right, let's continue. So I prayed to the Lord and he answered me. He freed me from all of my fears. Those who look to him for help will be radiant with joy. No shadow of shame will darken their faces. In my desperation, I prayed, and the Lord listened. He saved me from all my trouble. For the angel of the Lord is a guard. He surrounds and defends all who fear him. I prayed to the Lord, and he answered me. Let me say that one more time. I prayed to the Lord and he answered me. Can you say it with me? I prayed to the Lord and he answered me. Guess what we're going to do now? (laughs) We're going to take some time to pray. Because, I don't know, maybe there's some things you want to thank God for, but maybe there's some things where you feel you are in a desperate spot. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know what the desperation has come from or when it's going to end. But I can tell you, I prayed to the Lord and he answered me. So what I want us to do is find, get in groups of like three or four, just with the people who are around you, and we're going to pray together for a while, however long that means. So we're going to pray to the Lord to ask him to answer us, to show him our desperation, to show him our thanks, to show him our praise, whatever that looks like. So take some time, let's pray. Find some people around you and let's pray together.
Father, we thank you that we can come to you. Lord, when we call on your name, you answer. God, when we come to you as we are, not trying to hide anything, not trying to pretend to be something we're not, Lord, you free us from our fears, from all of our fears. Lord, when we look to you for help, we don't walk away with any shame. When we look to you for help, we're filled with joy. Lord, and your joy is our strength that helps us to get through the things that we're facing, that helps us get through the times of desperation. Lord, thank you so much that when we call on you, you answer. You listen and you move. God, you don't just sit back uncaring about what we go through, whether it's good or whether it's bad, Lord. You want to hear all of it from us. Thank you that we can be real with you. In your name I pray. Amen. I want to read that part one more time. I prayed to the Lord and he answered me. He freed me from all my fears. I have to stop when I read that because it says all my fears. All my fears. I don't know about you, but I tend to be fearful of quite a few things. <laughs> so whether it's spiders, I mean, the, I mean anything, anything. All my fears. It could be something small like that. Yes, I'm scared of spiders, but it also could be I'm scared of being alone. The Lord frees me from all my fears. I don't know how long that takes, but at some point I will be freed of all my fears. Those who look to him for help will be radiant with joy. No shadow of shame will darken their faces. No shadow of shame will darken their faces. I don't know about you, but I think at some point in our lives, we all walk around with a bit of shame for any number of reasons. You know, in the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve sinned, their first response was to hide. I need to hide myself from the Lord because I am ashamed. And we still do that. I still feel that inside of myself sometimes, where I want to spend time with the Lord, but there's a part of me somewhere deep inside that's like, oh, I don't know if I really want the Lord to see me. I think I should hide. Do we vocalize this? No, not really. But it's how we feel on the inside. I need to hide. And so it says, those who look to him for help will be radiant with joy. No shadow of shame will darken their faces. So even if I come to the Lord and I am ashamed, I'm not going to leave ashamed. I'm going to leave filled with joy. Amen? All right. At verse 8, it says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you godly, his godly people, for those who fear him will have all they need. Even strong young lions sometimes go hungry, but those who trust in the Lord will lack no good thing. Who in here has a Pinterest board? Does anybody use Pinterest? Not as many as I expected, but okay. So Pinterest is a website where you can pin all kinds of ideas. I mean, there's like food recipes, there's clothes stuff to look at, there's crafts, everything. For those of us who have Pinterest, or even those of us who have recipes, have you ever cooked every single one of those recipes? So up here you can see my Pinterest board. Okay, I've pinned a lot of recipes and cooked maybe about like 10 or 15 of this whole board. So if I look up here, just for an example, and I say, and someone asks me, is a pesto chicken sandwich good? 
And I have never tasted pesto, which is not true, but just for example's sake. I've never tasted pesto. I can't say yes or no. I just say, mm, it seems like it would be good. I know pesto is made out of basil. I know pesto is made with, with some oil. I know that chicken is good. I know that tomato is good. But are all these things put together good? I don't know. I haven't tasted it. Sometimes I think we treat the Lord like this. We, we can have some categories. We can have some collection of ideas. Okay, yeah. The Lord, he's compassionate. Yeah. The Lord, he's faithful. Yeah. The Lord is forgiving. But have we tasted it? Have we tasted it for ourselves? Because sometimes I think we treat him like a Pinterest board. <laughs> I can keep him safe in my little box of things that maybe one day I might try out, but I'm not actually tasting him for myself. So the question is, how do you, how do you taste the Lord? One thing I find particularly interesting is that the scripture doesn't say, see the Lord is good. It says, taste. Taste first. So, if we were just seeing that the Lord is good, that means we can keep him at a distance. We can say, okay, I can see from over here, Lord, that you are good. I can see, Lord, that you are good to to Vanessa, and I can see that you are good to everyone in this room, but I'm just going to witness that. I'm not sure I want to actually taste that for myself. But if we're tasting, that's a different story. Because if I had this pesto chicken sandwich and I just hold it in my hand to do nothing with it, I'm not tasting it. I'm not experiencing it. So if I'm going to taste something, firstly, I need to approach it. Let's imagine this pesto chicken sandwich is here. I need to come close to it first so that I'm able to pick it up. I need to pick it up. I need to willingly put it in my mouth. Then I need to chew it, then I need to swallow it, and eventually it's going to change things in my body. It's the same thing with the Lord. We have to come close, pick it up, put it in our mouth, swallow it, chew on it. The scripture is often referred to as the bread of life. Jesus is often referred to as the bread of life. What does that mean? When we taste scripture... It shows us who the Lord is, and that's why I'm leading you in an experience like this today, because this is one way, there are several ways that you can taste the Lord. Um, But yeah, we chew on his word, we we take it in, we think about it, we act on it like we're doing today, and we allow it to change us. Let me read it again. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you godly people, for those who fear him will have all they need. Even strong young lions sometimes go hungry, but those who trust in the Lord will lack no good thing. Verse 11. Come, my children, and listen to me, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Does anyone want to live a life that is long and prosperous? Does anyone want to live a life that is long and prosperous? Okay. Then keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn away from evil and do good. Search for peace and work to maintain it. What does it mean to fear the Lord? Can anybody answer me? I'm I'm asking for a response here. What does it mean to you to fear the Lord? Is it like a trembling kind of fear where I need to stay far, far away because he might strike me with lightning? 
What kind of fear is fearing the Lord? What does that look like? Yeah. Mm-hmm, exactly. What I heard him saying, firstly, was knowing who God is. You can't fear the Lord if you don't know who he is. But knowing who he is and approaching him in a, in a place of reverence, of awe. Mm-hmm. I think it, in part it's like fearing gravity. Mm-hmm. I mean, gravity is going to affect you whether you know about it, whether you have respect for it, you're going to fall, mm-hmm. you can die. Mm-hmm. Well, God has laws, has ways of doing things. If we line up with the way God does things, things are going to go well. If mm-hmm. we line up, it's not going to go. Right. Sometimes the Lord, he creates. I like to think of following the Lord or following his will as kind of like a circle. Sometimes we think about it as like a bullseye, like I need to be right in the center to be in God's will. But God creates this space that's like a, bound, like a boundary, but it's pretty open. And as long as you're in this boundary of what he's created and the priorities and the principles that he's laid out for us, we have freedom to choose within that area. And when we step out, Maybe we're not fearing the Lord if we're walking out in these areas. So the scripture says to do good and work for peace. There's also another scripture in the Bible that talks about encouraging one another to do good. As followers of Christ, I think this is something that's really important. It's easy to to encourage our friends when they come to us with a situation that's troubling, to encourage them not to do good. But the Lord says, do good and work for peace. Before I move on with that, I want to go back to this part where it says, keep your tongue from speaking evil, keep your lips from telling lies. Keep your tongue from speaking evil, even on Facebook, even on Instagram, even on Twitter, even on YouTube comments, even face-to-face. Keep your lips from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn away from evil and do good. Search for peace and work to maintain it. What does it look like for you in your life to do good and work for peace? Who among you are you not at peace with? I'm sure I can name several people myself who I'm not at peace with. They've done things that have hurt me that I have to choose to forgive. So for me, one thing that the Lord is working in my life right now Doing good and working for peace looks like forgiveness. Looks like letting go of bitterness. It might look a lot different for you. I don't know what it looks like. But do good and work for peace. So you don't need to answer this right now, but this is something I want you to keep thinking about. What does it look like for you to do good and work for peace in your own life and with the people who are around you? And then it goes on to say, The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right. His ears are open to their cries for help, but the Lord turns his face against those who do evil. He will erase their memory from the earth. The Lord hears his people when they call to him for help. He rescues them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. The righteous person faces many troubles, but the Lord comes to rescue each time. For the Lord protects the bones of the righteous. Not one of them is broken. 
Calamity will surely overtake the wicked, and those who hate the righteous will be punished, but the Lord will redeem those who serve him. No one who takes refuge in him will be condemned. One thing, one word that I kept hearing over and over in this part was righteous, being right, being righteous. First of all, we know without Christ we are not righteous. We know that we have Christ's righteousness and we carry that with us because we cannot be righteous on our own. So it's not of our own effort to do this. But what does righteous mean? When you look up this word in the original language, it's often a synonym to just, to justice. So it's not just that I behave correctly morally for my own self. It means I treat others well. Acting justly means that you do not oppress, that you do not harm, that you do not um, do evil things to another person because our sin doesn't affect only ourselves, it affects the people around us. So acting justly means that I love my neighbor. So how are you loving those who are around you? How are you loving your family? How are you loving the people who are easy to love? But what about the ones that aren't so easy? What about the people on Facebook that get on your nerves? What about the people on Facebook that say all kinds of crazy stuff? What about the people that it's not easy? It's not easy to love them. (laughs) Black. Sometimes it's better to say nothing. If you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all, and the black button would help that. (laughs) So, again, this is not something I'm asking you to respond to me right now, but something I want you to think about. How are you acting justly to the people who are around you? You know, this particular passage has been a passage that I've been reading all year long, almost. And I noticed that when we taste the Lord's goodness, when we actually taste it, these are the things that start happening in our lives. One, we become free from fear. Because perfect love casts out fear. When we step into the Lord's presence and when we start experiencing his love and his goodness, our fear doesn't really have a a choice to stay. It starts going. It might be a little slow. It doesn't mean that it's going to happen automatically all at once. But we start experiencing this freedom that I'm no longer afraid because I know I am a child of God and the Lord loves me, he's forgiven me, and he has surrounded me with people who I can also love and forgive and, and to serve. We also start experiencing radiant joy. What does it mean to be radiant with joy? I don't know that this always happens immediately, but when you consistently taste the Lord's goodness, like Moses, you come off the mountain and you're a little bit glowing. You know what I mean? So when you experience the Lord, when you come into his presence, you're going to start radiating joy because you're free from shame. You're no longer walking in shame, and now you have the freedom to start experiencing joy. One time, some time ago, it was a couple years ago, I asked the Lord to show me what a future version of myself looked like. Lord, what are you seeing, you know, what are we working towards here? Because obviously the Lord is, he's um, changing us and transforming us. So Lord, what in particular are you working for here? Because I don't know, I don't know. And he gave me this picture that I was radiant with joy. And when I go through things, that the Lord is healing me of things, and I'm going through trials, and I'm going through temptations, I remember, this is for my joy. This is for my joy. And one way that I'm experiencing that joy is I'm losing my shame. Not all at once, because I still have a little bit, but I'm more free than I used to be. 
And that's, a, that's something to praise God for because I'm not what I used to be. I'm not where I'm, I want to be yet, but I'm not who I was. So freedom from shame. When we taste the Lord's goodness, we also experience abundance. And no, I don't mean a prosperity gospel that this doesn't mean money or a house or car. We start experiencing abundance of joy. We experience abundance of freedom. We experience abundance of love, of peace, of righteousness, all of these things. God starts overflowing these things into our lives. Another thing that I noticed is that we find help. The Lord is our help. I don't know about you, but there have been times in my life where I have literally had no other words to pray than God help me. God help me. There's nothing else that I can other than God help me, and he does. The Lord is our help. So, to end, what 